Hello and welcome to the Life Teacher Podcast. My name is Hector Suko and with me here today is Paul Mark Francois. Paul Mark, also known as Archangel Paul Mark, is a channel, healer, teacher, and mentor for others on their spiritual journeys. As owner and operator of PMQ Spirit Works, Paul Mark creates sacred, protected space for personal growth while being a spiritual cheerleader and accountability coach. Appreciated for his straightforward approach that is honest and direct, Paul Mark has studied divination for many years, specializing in oracle cards and dowsing, including pendulums. Paul Mark is a Reiki master in both the Yusui and Karuna traditions, an angelic Reiki master teacher, and the creator of Archangelic Reiki. Paul Mark is an angelic guidance counselor, a certified angel card reader, realm reader, and the author of the Mirror Affirmations deck, the Chakra Affirmations deck, and Mandala Oracle deck, and the Self-Acceptance Playbook. Working with archetypes, angels, spirit guides, dream teams, guardians, and other energetic beings allows Paul Mark to create spaces for people to completely love and accept themselves without guilt or shame through self-discovery, self-acceptance, and self-care. Paul Mark is also a psychedula and integration coach. Journeys can be a useful tool for self-discovery when done safely and mindfully. Please help me welcome Paul Mark to the Life Teacher Podcast. Paul Mark, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. No, thank you. I ran into you in Clubhouse and you had so much value to give, so much insight and so many lessons to, to teach that I just had to ask if you would like to come on and you agreed. And I, and I thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time to be with me today. Of course. All right. Let's start with who is Paul Mark? <laughs> who is Paul Mark? I am a spiritual being having a human experience. I have been through an awful lot and I have learned and grown through that. And I try to offer people my, my experience so people can learn from my mistakes. I tend to fail loudly and publicly so that people can learn from what I've done and hopefully not make the same mistake. And let's jump right into empathy. Paul Mark, tell us, what is empathy? And tell us what empathy is not. Mm, empathy is just the ability to feel what other people are feeling and going through. And so many empaths have the idea that because they feel it, it's theirs. It doesn't have to be. So the empathy can be that thing where you know that somebody else is going is having a rough day or somebody else is going through something. And that can just be a heads up for you. It does not necessarily mean that you are obligated to take that on and help them with it. And so a lot of empaths feel that obligation and it puts them um, automatically into a state of overwhelm. And instead of being in the, in the state of overwhelm, I am always inviting people into the land of whelm. 
And the land of whelm is where you're not overwhelmed, you're not underwhelmed, you're just present. You're just okay. And this is a thing that I do. The room that you found on Clubhouse was the empath mentoring room. So I'm doing this every Thursday with a team, uh, Bridget Renee Holiday and Infinity. And we do this together, but this is also part of my business. I train empaths as part of my business. And I am, you know, I take on clients who are just learning how to deal with the stuff. And the thing is, um, when you're feeling something, especially if you're an untrained empath, and I've gotten away from the idea of higher or lower vibration or into the mature or immature, I just think, you know, everybody has a bit of empathy. Everybody has a, um, a connection to that. So it's not a, are you an empath or aren't you? It's how, how trained are you? And so how do you deal with your own um, connection to your empathy? And when I say connection, it is about um, everybody has a little bit, everybody has some connection and some people are more in tune with it than others. And so this is just a way to get more in tune with your own empathy. And uh, like I said, there are those people who are untrained who are just picking up stuff willy nilly. They're like the emotional sponges. And so as, a spo as with a sponge, you're going to have to wring it out at some point in time. Otherwise it's just gonna be waterlogged. And a lot of untrained empaths who are just like, I'm picking up everything. Well you're emotion logged. You need to wring that stuff out. And so that's what I do. I help people understand that it is about what they choose to let in and that they do have the autonomy to say, not this, not today. Very interesting because I always thought that, or the way that people spoke on Clubhouse is that only certain people are empaths that they have this acute sense of what others are going through whether it's a rough patch or actually very happy and you know i was thinking to myself am i an empath i have a very i think i have a very good sense of what people are going through i believe that i have a good sense of what people are going through i can tell whether somebody's having an okay day a really good day or bad day but what I'm hearing you say is that no, everybody, every human is an empath. There's just certain degrees of it. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, exactly. And um, a lot of people have the idea that people can be an empath or a narcissist. And that is a duality, but there's a spectrum. There's a little bit of narcissism in the empath. And a lot of narcissists are broken empaths. You know, and empathy happens. We learn about our empathy um, specifically when we're in uh, abusive relationships. So if you grew up in a household where you might be yelled at or you might be beaten or something like that, you learn how to read other people. And so that empathy comes in handy. And you know, if a person is really good at manipulation, that is truly their empathy. So when, when we talk about narcissists, 
manipulating people, they're using their empathy. And so I really feel that, and, and I've, been, I've been kicked out of empath groups for saying this, <laughs> but there is a bit of narcissism in everyone, just like there's a bit of empathy in everyone. And so it's up to you how you, uh, what you cultivate. That's the most important part. What are you cultivating? Interesting. So let me go ahead and pose a situation for you. Here you have a mom who's having an okay day. She is married to her husband and has two kids, a son and a daughter. The son is 23. The daughter is 16. Okay, let's start with the husband. She knows that the husband had a bad day at work. A son who is 23 just got denied for a job interview and he's and he's really trying to uh, start his career. Her daughter is 16 and suffers from anxiety. So all three are happening at once where husband is not having a good day. He comes home frustrated. 23 year old son is frustrated. He can't, you know, seal the deal and, and get this job. And 16 year old daughter comes in just suffering from anxiety, maybe offer meds. I don't know. I'm just throwing out a situation. Now, that to me would be emotional, overwhelming if I were to put myself in that mother's shoes, because all I want to do is be there for my family. And what I'm hearing from you is, wait, take a step back, because you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you help other people. Yes, exactly. And so... Um, they aren't all happening. They may have happened in the same day, but they aren't happening in the same moment. And so you have a moment where you can be there for your husband and, or she has a moment where she can be there for her husband first. She has a moment where she can be there for her daughter and she can encourage her daughter to be there for herself. The same for the son. You know, and as we're dealing with this, the important thing is knowing that uh, as an empath, if you're dealing from obligation, it's almost as if uh, if you travel with someone who has a lot of baggage and they're constantly telling you, well, here, hold this bag or here, carry this bag. How much baggage are you going to be able to handle? Especially if you still have your own bags. And so it is important to be with people and to train people to take care of their own stuff. And so um, I saw a movie once and this, this line has stayed with me for a long time. Happy people don't have brown grass. You have to water your own lawn. And so if you're looking, if you're constantly looking at your neighbor, and even if your neighbor is your family member, if you're constantly looking at them and trying to maintain them, who's maintaining you? And there is, there is an archetype that we have that's called the caregiver. And we can do that. You know, it's like, if you have a sick child, then you do want to be that caregiver. However, 
an overactive caregiver turns into a martyr and you don't want to be the martyr because that is putting yourself last on the list. And that's giving of yourself and sacrificing so much. And the, the story of the martyr is never a happy ending. That is true to a certain extent. I know that my, my wife is now following a, a mom on TikTok in which she has uh, kids who've been suffering from this disease in which they're expressionless and they have a feeding tube and, and doctors told them that these kids only have up to age like nine to 12 to live. And she is obviously their main caregiver. Uh, just the other day, one of her, I think the youngest passed away. And, you know, every night she comes to me with these videos and I'm like, man, again, it's as someone who, who has a lot of empathy, I, and you say this because there's no other way to emotionally put that divide. Cause I don't know this woman, I don't even know where she lives. I know that she's getting a lot of support on TikTok, but again, I cannot imagine what she's going through. And, and I have to put that, that mental block there. But again, as someone in her shoes, yeah, at, at the end of the day, you have to be happy and yes, be there for your family. I wanted to move on. Let's stay on this topic, but let's move on to that dinner party and getting the coat uh, discussion that we had on Clubhouse because I found it fascinating, right? And I don't know if, I think you're the one that posed it to, to the audience and, and I was kind of almost responding where you're at a dinner party and and you said it best, but I'll just try to emulate what you said. When the dinner party is over and it's time to get your coat to go out, right? Get your coat. Don't get anybody else's coat. And I found that so enticing because I'm married, right? And what's the problem with me getting my wife's coat? So go ahead and respond just like you did on Clubhouse. I, I, I swear, I want to just uh, replay this conversation, but Tell me, if I tell you, hey, Paul Mark, why don't I just get my wife's coat at the dinner party and we both leave together? So that is one of those things. Um, it, it's about knowing what is yours. And when, when we talk about being an empath, the first question when you feel an emotion, is this mine? And so if it's not yours, put it down. And that's that visual of the dinner party is, um, and of course it wasn't at the end of the, the dinner party, it's when you're ready to leave. And so you go into the coat room and you pick up somebody else's coat. Are you gonna put that coat on and walk out? No, because it's not your coat. And are you going to pick up somebody else's coat and go through their pockets? No, because it's not your coat. Now, if you have your wife's permission, you can pick up your wife's coat and give it to her. You don't put it on. And that's what happens when people are, you know, saying, well, I'm an empath and I just feel all this stuff. It's great, yay, you can feel it. Here's a cookie. But there is no cookie for holding on to other people's stuff. There's just not. You have to take care of you. 
And there is a cookie in being the best you, but there are some things that are out of your control and you have to give that to those people who control it. So if you notice that a family member or a friend is going through something rough, you can even go as far as to offer that you can help, but it is not yours to take on. And so that's how that analogy works. It's not that you can't pick up a coat for the person you're with and hand it to them. It is, are you going to pick up the coat and wear it? And that's how a lot of the empaths are doing with their emotions. They're picking up other people's emotions and then processing them. And as a channel, I can process emotions for people. I do not like to do it. And so there are times when people that are very close to me are going through something and I just channel it because they are close to me and because I've let them be in, you know? But I am not picking it up randomly from people at the mall or people at the grocery store. And there are some empaths who are saying, I can't go out. Yes, you can. You're choosing to pick up this stuff because you think that there's a, a reward in it. You're looking for that cookie. There is no cookie in that. There is a cookie in being a kind person and helping someone who has asked you to help. There is no cookie in assuming that you have to do that for everybody. And I, in, in my business, I teach the five agreements, the original four and the fifth agreement. And part of the original four is don't assume. Another, don't take it personally. So if you're feeling an emotion, you ask, is this mine? If it's not yours, put it down. If it belongs to someone that is close to you, then you know, okay, so-and-so's having a rough day. That doesn't mean that you have to have a rough day. Uh, can I pose a situation to you, Paul Mark? Sure. Okay, so let's say there's, again, a husband and a wife, and let's say the wife loses a close family member. Now, the husband knew this person as well. And upon hearing the news, they both are sad. They both go through the motions and they both cry. The husband, who was not too attached to this family member, goes through the five stages of loss and accepts that this person has passed. The wife, on the other hand, is still feeling and going through the stages of loss and is going through grief. And one night, the wife starts to cry because they miss their loved one. Can you give us an example of, let's say, the husband putting on his wife's coat in this situation and show us an example of him just handing the coat to her? So an example of that is I understand that you're, have, you're experiencing grief, period. That's handing the coat to her. Yes, because everybody's grief is their own process. 
and it is a multi-fold process. So uh, depending on, and it changes depending on how long you've known the person, how well you know the person, how much you planned with that person, you know, because you're grieving the relationship you thought you had. You're grieving the relationship you hoped to have. And then you're also grieving the relationship that you actually had. And so there are so many different things and the, the grief process, we can't control how somebody else grieves. We can only be there for that person. And so if your wife is going through that grief process, then it's, you can be there. Or, and I, I won't even say wife, if your partner, because I want to be more inclusive. <laughs> we don't have to be heteronormative here. And if your partner or your friend is going through a grief process, you're not gonna understand exactly what they're going through because you don't have that same relationship. But you can say, I understand you're having a tough time. I'm here if you need me. Can you give me an example of the husband going too far and putting on his wife's coat? So an example of going too far would be a person who turns it into their own grief. You know, so a person who personalizes it and then starts saying, oh, well, yeah, I went through this and blah, blah, blah. It's not about you. So you have to let that person, let your wife in this, in this Part, partner, situation, let your partner go through their own grief, you know? So allow your partner to, to express what it is that they need to express. And what happens is a lot of times people feel like they have to respond, but it's not about your response. It's about letting your partner say what they have to say. And a lot of times grief is about what was not, what, what was left unsaid. And so what about uh, just being there next to her, holding her hands, maybe even crying with her? I, and, and, you know, I don't want to go into the whole man conversation, but let's just place <laughs> it on the husband. Um, and again, yes, of course, we don't have to be heteronormative here. Um, right. But let's say the partner is very, very empathetic and gets closer to the partner, holds their hand, pats them on the back. You know, it's okay. I'm here for you. And, and even starts to almost cry with them. Uh, is that going too far? Um, not necessarily. As long as you don't turn it, as long as you don't turn it on yourself, as long as you're holding space for that person to experience that grief. And so it can be, you know, if, if you know your partner and your partner is a person who needs space to just process on their own, then you give them that space. And it's not about whether you want to be part of it. It is, this is how this person processes. So you give them that space. And if your partner is a person who just wants to be held while they cry it out, then you hold them 
while they cry it out. I feel that so many people in general want to be able to say something. It's in the actions. You don't have to say anything. Like, like that old song, More Than Words, you know? Show me how you feel. And you can be there for that partner. And, you know, if, and it's, it's also knowing what your partner's love language is, you know? And so, like I said, if a person needs space to process, give them that space. I'm here when you're ready. And if that person needs you to hold them, then hold them. And there is no blanket statement for that. I always tell my students, actions speak louder than words. Definitely, yeah. definitely. All right, <laughs> so let's move on from empathy to energy and vibes. Now, when I look into somebody's eyes, Paul Mark, whether it's my wife or anybody else, I don't see, huh? Look into my eyes. Yes, Paul Mark, I'm looking into your eyes. But honestly, we're humans, right? We're, we're animals. We're, we're made of skin. We're made of bones. We're made of muscles, tissue. There's a brain, right? But when I look into somebody's eyes and when I'm speaking to them, I don't see a meat suit. I don't see that there's a brain behind their, it, you know, if the forehead was transparent, I would be able to see their skull and brain, but I don't see that. When I look into somebody's eyes and I speak to them, I feel like there's something more, that there's a, a, a invisible connection that I have with this person that I'm speaking to. And it happens to everyone. Everyone that I have ever talked to, I look them in the eye and I, and I don't see the, the blood, the vessels, the arteries, the brain, the bones. I just look into their eyes and I feel that there's something more. Can you explain to us this energy, this vibes, whether the soul is the, sorry, if the eyes are the windows to the soul, how do you see energy and, and the human connection? The human connection is quite beautiful. And it's, um, it's something that we are not meant to completely understand. The brain can only hold so much. Your soul has been through multiple lifetimes. Your brain doesn't comprehend all of that. So the soul, it's, it's like looking, it's like being in a parking lot and you're seeing the driver rather than the car. And so this body is the vehicle. So you can choose to see only the vehicle and that is a limitation, but it's an understandable limitation because of the 3D world that we live in. If you've raised your vibration, if you're living more in 5D, then you're seeing that there is an energy and there are multiple energy bodies around us and our energy can be bigger than the actual body that we encompass. So it is that there is something bigger and it, it's an energy that is eternal. And it's an energy where when we all 
get rid of like the the meat suit, the body gives us autonomy. And there are certain things that we can only do because we have a body. However, when we get out of this body, when we are freed, our energy is omnipresent. We can go anywhere, do anything. And so if you're seeing people and you're seeing their energy, then you are connecting to them on a deeper level. And it's not anything that's good or bad. It's just more connected. It's a deeper connection. You know, I've always said that, and I know that there's, you know, religious overtones in what I'm about to say, but when someone close to me passed away, I came to the conclusion because, you know, I was teaching science at the time and, you know, I was going over the law of conservation of mass and it states that, or matter, and it says that matter cannot be created or destroyed. So when somebody, I completely agree and I I see it when somebody passes, it's not that they disappear. That's scientifically impossible. In fact, what happens is that their matter, the, the thing that makes them them is now spread out into the universe. And so now they're all around us in, in different forms of matter, but they're still here. And I, and I truly believe that. And so with this energy that you're talking about, that 5D-ness, I'm going to call it 5D-ness, there are there are there are vibes it even was a tv show i believe and so can you talk to me about vibes and whether you believe that a vibe is positive or negative a vibe is a vibe energy is energy um what makes it positive or negative is the intent and so i will look at things and i don't necessarily go into the positive or negative I go into the beneficial or or malicious. And so if the intent is malicious, then that can cause harm. But if the intent is to be a benefit, then it's, you know, there is no guarantee that it's going to be comfortable, but it is for the overall best good. And so when people you know, have the idea that the universe is out to get them, nobody's out to get you. The universe is working for your highest and best good. Now, are there some lessons that you're going to need? Yes. And if you avoid the lessons, they end up being harder. But you're gonna have some discomfort to grow and it's okay. And so, Uh, One of the 3D things is that we're looking for things to be good or bad, black or white, right or wrong. It's not that simple. There's a lot of gray area in between. So if you look at things as a spectrum, there's a lot of gray area. It's not everything's over here, everything's over there. And uh, we've seen that more right now with the spectrum of sexuality where people are more fluid, you know, and gender, people are more fluid now. And it's because they're understanding that it's not, you know, that there are very few people that are on the absolute extremes. There are more people that are in the middle somewhere. And so 
if you allow that to happen, it doesn't, and, and like I said earlier, it's not a blanket statement. And anytime you work in absolutes, it is categorically false. And so you've probably heard this before. You meet someone and somebody will say, you know, later, like you don't say this in front of them, but you go about your day. But then later you say, man, that person gave me bad vibes or I got a bad vibe from them. You said malicious and I wanted to get your two cents on what you think happens when somebody meets someone and then later they'll tell someone or they'll tell themselves, man, I got a bad vibe from them. So the bad vibe, there are some people who are vibrating at a lower intensity and stuck there. And so you're not going to feel good. And so it's, it's as if, if a person, if a person is taking your energy, it may seem like it's a bad vibe. Or if a person is just down here, and when I say lower, I mean at a lower number frequency, energetic frequency, and you're vibing at a higher energetic frequency, they're going to lower your, your frequency to try and get, to, to try and meet you. And so um, this is something that I tell a lot of my empathic friends that a great boundary is my vibration or higher. So you're only going up. And just like when you're connecting to the angelic realm, you don't ask them to come down to you. You ask them to raise you up to them. And so if there are people who are just a lower frequency, it's gonna feel like a bad vibe. But that doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It just means that their vibe is uncomfortable for you. So again, getting out of the blanket statement and getting out of the good, bad, right, wrong, evil, whatever. So creating that space for them to be like, okay, so that's where they are. And that's another thing where, you know, when you have that empathy and you feel that somebody's having a rough time, it allows you to not take it personally and say, oh, it's not about me. It's about what they're going through. Just to clarify, you said that it is possible that this person is feeding off of your energy. Can you go a little bit more into that? So um, I won't say feeding off of your, but what happens is uh, energy seeks balance. And so when somebody, when you encounter somebody of a lower vibration, there is that desire to, for them to come up and you to go down. And so if you decide to stay at your level and are going higher, you're gonna feel this, this drag from this person. And so, and uh, it's, it's important. I had a, I've had relationships that have just fallen apart because that person was not choosing to grow. And I was growing, they weren't. And that's the concept of growing apart. You know, you choose someone that hopefully you're going to grow together as opposed to someone who's like, well, I'm okay here. Very interesting. So let me postulate to you. When you say 
oh, wow, I got a bad vibe from this person. That means that you are up here, they are down here. But there could be a time when you can meet someone at your at the same vibration, but then you slowly drift apart. And, sure. and but that's a little bit slower and harder to, to, to pick up. This is not a, oh, I'm getting a, a bad vibe from my partner. This is something that grows. And in time, you're going to have to, to, to feel that and to recognize it as such. Yes, I have friends that renew, they get married every year. And so it's a negotiation of a new relationship because they aren't the same people that got married 15 years ago. So each year they renegotiate and they remarry each other. And so that is the idea of staying on the same level, you know, growing together and deciding what is it that we're going to do together? Because a lot of people, especially the uh, masculine people, the, the people of, with the masculine energy, they will get into this idea of, this is great, I hope it never changes. But people change. And so you have to have that space to honor how people have changed. And so it is a renegotiation each year. Now, I don't know, I, I don't necessarily think that everybody should be doing that, but I do think that if you, um, if you open up your relationship and you do a state of the union periodically, then you can talk about where you're going and what your goals are to make sure that you are still intending on the same things. You're still working toward the same goals. And uh, one of the things is that if someone, you know, people will shun that person that gives them the bad vibe. I'm not, I'm not promoting that. What I'm saying is that if you find someone and they just don't mesh with you, it's because they're at a different frequency and it's okay for them to be at a different frequency. You don't have to make a story up about it. You said masculine energy. Are you saying that there that energy has a gender? Well, mask yes, in energy there is the masculine energy and there is the divine masculine and the divine feminine. And so the divine feminine is unlimited potential. And the divine masculine is the spark that makes things happen. Can you go a little bit more into that? That is that is the deepest thing right there. It's it it takes it takes a bit. So if you think about it, um, the divine feminine uh, in space is darkness, just potential, and the masculine is the light. And so anything that is receptive, anything that is potential is the feminine and anything that is active is the masculine. Very, very interesting. Uh, let's move to accepting oneself. And I, I guess it's kind of easy. If you say someone, hey, uh, have you accepted who you are? 
everybody, I, I'm assuming, and, and, and I shouldn't do this, but if you ask, <laughs> I know, right. If you ask anybody 18 and over, have you accepted yourself? I'm assuming that, and I hate to throw numbers out, but let's say 80% or more of any adult, 18 years or older, you ask, and they'll tell you, yes, I have accepted myself for who I am and who I'm meant to be. And it's not a, it's not a like, oh, I'm anxious or I'm depressed. No, I know who I am. Is there more to just saying, yeah, I accept myself when it comes to accepting oneself? There is so much more. And I will tell you that if you think it's 80, 80% would uh, tell you that they have accepted themselves, I would say that 60% of that 80% is lying to themselves. Unintentionally. But they have not fully accepted everything. And radical self-acceptance, you know, to love and accept yourself is to look at everything all your habits, everything about you, that, that mole with the stray hair, that stretch mark, whatever you have and giving it some love. And many people have not done that. So it is a radical, um, a radical practice to literally look at yourself unadorned. And if you look at yourself naked in the mirror, the first things you're gonna see are those things that you're not happy with. So if you see that, then no, you haven't completely accepted yourself. So you're gonna to have to make amends with those parts of you that you've judged and then give them some love. And so it is, a very difficult practice, but it's rewarding. So perfect example, someone is standing in the mirror and sees that they're overweight, especially in the belly area. Mm -hmm. So, so is there, can you do both? Can you say, yes, I accept that I'm overweight. I accept that I may have a big belly but I also want to set the intention to lose weight and so and to physically be better so that I can feel better about myself. Can you do both? So the idea is you have to accept that your body is preparing you for warmth, for um, possible famine, you know, your body has put on weight to buffer you from something. And so that's why there is a psychological component to the better dietary systems, because there are some things that will create more weight. You know, when people start doing energy work, sometimes they need to ground more so they create a larger body. So there is that. However, uh, asking about that, when you look at yourself and you see that you've got padding, then you can love that padding 
and decide to do something different. So your affirmation is not, I need to lose weight. Your affirmation is, I want, you know, my body is fit and healthy. So it's not about losing. It's about creating the body that is fit, flexible, healthy, whatever. And so that is one of the things that I've added to the mirror affirmation deck so that you're giving yourself positive affirmations because when you look in the mirror and you see something and you're judging it, then the idea is this is bad. I want to lose it. But if you can just say, you know, if you can Marie Kondo your life and say, thank you for what you've done for me. And now I'm going to let you go. This is why I wanted you on my podcast. So weight <laughs> is not something that you want to lose because it's bad. It's right. just something there that is preparing you for, for like what you said, yes, the, the psychological or physical uh, barrier or to soften something. And yeah, so it, it can be a buffer. It buffer. can be an energetic buffer. It can be, you know, there, there's so many so many reasons for weight gain, you know? So it can be an energetic buffer. It can be your body saying that, you know, it, it, if you live in a cold, and cold environment, it's good to have some body fat, you know? If you are, you know, living in, in the jungle and you might not have a meal, it's good to have some excess body fat so that, so that you can live off of yourself, you know? So there are, there are benefits to having some extra weight. Now, if you're unhappy with the weight, then you change your affirmation. You change your mind and you set the goal of my body being fit, flexible, healthy, whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you. And you don't have the affirmation of I'm fat cancel clear, you know? So instead of losing your, the weight, you say to yourself, I want to gain a healthy body. Say my body is healthy. It's not, I want to gain. It's, you have to speak it in the positive first person. Like Present it's already person. happened? Yes. So even though you're not, and let's throw out some numbers, let's say you're 230, but you want to be 180, you'll say, my body is a treasure, I accept it, I am 180 pounds. Yes. Very enlightening. Thank you, yes. Paul Mark. Thank you. Let's talk about healing the soul, right? We, we, we talk, we've talked about the soul before, but let's go a little bit more into, into your soul. You know, people will say, Oh, he's a lost soul. And, and we've hear, we've heard this term soul searching. He's soul searching or, or, you know, you can go on a soul searching journey. We've, we, I've heard also broken that your soul is broken either because of grief or whatever. And so if someone feels this way, if somebody feels that their soul is either lost or broken what kind of practices or, or things can, can people do to start healing their soul? First of all, you need to change your story. So what are you telling yourself? 
And sometimes people will give a story to a person. And that's when pe people say, oh, so-and-so is a lost soul. That person is not necessarily lost. That person may not know where they would like to go. They don't have a direction, but they're not lost. They are where they are. Now, if a person just disappears, then they may be lost. <laughs> However, if the person is in your house and they don't know what they're doing or they don't know what they want to do, they're not lost. They're just lacking direction. Again, it gets into the power of intention. What is it that you feel your direction should be or could be? Because there is not a should. So you get to, to decide what your direction is going to be. And then the universe will help you with that direction. How does the universe do that? Because I've read a few books and have read about coincidences and that they're not coincidences. I've heard, and you know, I asked you before the podcast, have you read the Celestine Prophecy, which I found fascinating. One of my earlier podcast interviews dealt with somebody who had an epiphany and, 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 you know, he said that that book really helped him manifest that epiphany. And I just found it fascinating in which the Celestine prophecy says that there is this energy and that the, that coincidences are not just coincidences. These are signals or signs that the universe is trying to convey to you. And I have, I have really looked at coincidences and I said, hmm, maybe not. So what kind of signs can someone look for if they don't know what direction to take, either with their soul, with their purpose, etc.? Get quiet and listen to those little voices that are telling you or little nudges. Um, they aren't telling you to do harmful things, you know, but it, it, I've happened, it's happened to me multiple times because I listen to my guides and they will say, you're going to be doing this. And sometimes uh, when, when my guide said that I was going to be talking to people, I was like, the hell I will. <laughs> They're like, no, you're going to be teaching people. I was like, I don't even like people. <laughs> I had my own anxieties based on, you know, I, I was a theater person and I was able to be on stage as a character. But this that I'm doing now, I have to be me. I have to be fully authentic. And so when I did the work to be me, I also did the work to not care about what other people thought of me. And then they're like, well, you're gonna be meeting other people. And I was like, why, I'm okay. You know, <laughs> it's like, I, I, I did my work, I should be done. But if you're still here, there's still work to be done, you know? And so me getting into, uh, you know, although I'm naturally an introvert, me becoming more of an extrovert and being able to speak to people 
and uh, they were giving me messages. And I had to, uh, there was one time I was across the room from somebody and he kept looking up and smiling and I would smile. And they're like, you need to talk to him. I was like, I don't know this person. I have no idea what's going on. And so he came over because I, I was vending, I was working for a crystal shop and he came over and he was looking at things. And I was like, this is gonna be weird, but I just need you to start talking to me and start talking about yourself. And he's like, I was like, first of all, what's your name? And so he told me his name and he started talking. And that was when the static in my head got clear because I was able to connect to him. And I was like, oh, okay, that's what it is. There's a message here for you. And I was able to splurt it out. I do not remember what it is because when I channel, I don't remember. So, but I do re remember that I had to give myself the opportunity to connect with this person. When people are there just lounging around and I'm talking, they'll come up and start talking about stuff. And because I can feel that their energy, if they engage me, then I can talk to them. But I also know, just like I said before, there are times when people are shopping and they're not open. So I may feel something, but I'm not gonna say anything. It's not my space. When they come to me or when my friend says, well, Paulmark knows a lot about these stones, then I'm engaged. But if it's not my business, it's not my business. Paul Mark, let me ask you a question because um, there's a thing on Craigslist called Lost Connections. And <laughs> do you know about this? I've seen those and I, I used to, to read them for uh, humorous purposes. But uh, yes. <laughs> well, let me postulate something to you that happened to me in 2016. I went on vacation to San Francisco with my mm -hmm. wife and my one-year-old son. Now, I'm straight. I'm 100% straight. Uh, I like women. And when, when, when I'm talking to you about this energy thing, it brings me back to this moment in which we had just finished experiencing the Golden Gate Bridge. We walked a little bit of it and we came back and then we got on the public bus and we were walking towards our seats. The bus hits a pothole or breaks too fast. I see a seat and I stumble like right on it. And I come face to face with a man, pristinely dressed, all black or, or black and gray, uh, a hat, and it just fits perfectly. And I see him and I'm like, oh, hi, sir, how are you? And he goes, good. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm from Miami, I'm traveling, it's my wife, this is my kid. And I, and I, and I just had to ask him like, Hey, you know, you look really nicely dressed. Can I ask where you're heading to? And he goes, yeah, a friend's uh, music concert or a friend's music band is playing. And I'm like, you look like you can play in the band. You're so like well dressed. I just have to say that about you. And he goes, thank you. Thank you. And then, you know, I think he starts to tell me about his band and or about his friend's band and stuff like that. He gets off the bus and I see him as the bus drives off and we continue our, our vacation. But I keep coming back to that because what I felt was a high, 
high level of energy from him or high level of energy from this connection. And then, of course, I don't know this guy's name. I'm not going to connect with him in any way. I guess what I'm asking is if somebody were to have that kind of connection with a stranger, but then obviously never sees them again, is there anything to make of that? It is a soul family connection. And that is a soul that you've interacted with before. And so there's that instant um, recognition that happens. I have had multiple experiences of that. Um, I have met people that were my lovers in past lives. And so we had that, you know, the, the plumbing might not fit this time around, but we had that experience of seeing each other and reconnecting and being okay. And so sometimes you will find a person where you're just drawn to for whatever reason. And it's because there's incomplete business. And once you complete that business, then you're not as drawn to them. Good and to people, know. Yeah, and people will, will have that. Uh, it's, it's interesting that I had um, a happening where I was at a bar in college and I saw a person who reminded me of a friend that I had in college and I wasn't expecting to see them in, at a bar in Dallas. And he was sitting on a stool and I ran up and jumped in his lap and gave him the kiss. And I was like, I'm so happy to see you. And then as I pulled back, I was like, oh, you're not the person I thought you were. <laughs> but the energy was there. And it was like, we had a bond and he had seen me multiple times and had been attracted to me and hadn't known how to talk to me. And here I am mistaking I, I, his identity, jumping in his lap and kissing him. And he's like, well, thank, thank you for that, you know? So things happen where the universe just, you know, he thought about it long enough and manifested me falling in his lap, literally. And there are times like um, the, the universe will, will give you little hints. And there are times when I have an, an agenda and I think I'm gonna be at this place at this time and something happens where I'm off of my agenda, you know? And it, it can be, uh, you know, when I was a caregiver for my mom, uh, I, I would have to plan something when she was taking a nap or she would need something right before I was leaving. So I'd, I'd, I'd be off and I'd be upset because I'm out of my time frame, you know? But what would happen is I would get to where I wanted to go at a time that I would see somebody that had I not, had I been there at the time that I wanted to be there, I would have missed them. These things do happen. There are little nudges where the universe manifests things for you or where you are the manifestation for somebody else. If that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense to me. Hopefully the audience caught all of that. Uh, let's move. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it may take a few, 
you know, rep repeating of the episode to, for somebody to fully grasp what you are saying, because even me, I'm probably going to have to play and, and listen to this podcast to get everything, all the concepts that you've and all the value that you've been giving throughout the podcast and, and how does that fit in, in my life? And hopefully people will do the same. I really do hope that people take you seriously and start manifesting, doing that shadow work, accepting oneself, accepting everything about themselves. And, and I really, again, I'll say it again and again, you have a lot of value to share Paul Mark. And, and I get, I thank you for coming onto my podcast and just a few more questions here. Um, and let's move to holding hands because I find holding hands to be something very connecting, very sincere and, and honest truth be told, I connect more with my wife when I'm holding her hands than when I'm giving her a kiss, uh, holding hands. It just feels as if I'm giving her energy and she's giving me energy and we're both just connecting or there is a connection there. Uh, when I'm holding my son's hand, and again, it feels natural what I'm about to explain to you. I don't feel anything from him. I, I don't think that he's mature enough to give me anything that I need, but I feel a lot of my fatherly energy going into him as if I'm giving him energy to, to grow. I'm giving him the energy to, to be who he wants to be. Same with my daughter. I sometimes hold her hands as well. And she's only three years old and I'm giving her some energy, not a lot. I give my six-year-old son a lot. And I don't know if it's the masculine thing. I don't know. Um, you know, I've held hands with my mom before, not so much my dad. Again, patriarchy, go figure. Um, how do you see holding hands and the sharing of energy through that practice? So hand-holding is really interesting because you know, uh, or you might not know, the left side is the feminine and the right side is the masculine. So if you are offering someone your right hand, you're giving them energy. If you are, you know, if someone takes your left hand, you're receiving energy from them. And so that's, that is what is. There's just no way around that. And um, I am a big fan of hugging, which is, you know, hugging when you do it correctly realigns the chakra. What happens is so many people will do the side hug or the hug with the pat. That's not a true hug. It should last 20 to 30 seconds and it should be full on chakra to chakra. So, and even when, when men are hugging, there's that, uh, that A-frame hug where it's like, make sure our genitals don't touch, you know? But I have a, a friend that, you know, I have several friends, male friends that are very comfortable with themselves. And it's like, if we aren't bumping, we aren't really hugging, you know? And the idea of the full contact hug, you know? And I have some, some women who are, you know, I, when I hug them, there's always a, a, a jiggle, you know? It's like the squeeze and the jiggle, you know? We really want to feel that energy going into each other. And you really want to feel that energy. And it's um, important for people to get, to share the energy. 
it's not about one person grabbing energy from, from the other. It is about sharing the energy. And so when you are hugging, you are in essence becoming one being for that time period. And you're realigning and you're readjusting. And so I think it's really important for people to hug. And handholding can be a, a, a way to give a little energy or to get a little energy. But the hug is where you're sharing the energy. And so I'm all about the hug. Interesting. And so what I feel when I hold my son's hand, because I hug my son as well, uh, but what I feel when I, when I hold my son's hand with both my hands, you're saying that I am receiving energy from my son, even though I, I just feel like I'm giving him mine. So when you're holding both hands, you're, you're completing a circuit. So okay. there is energy cycling. Okay. So are you saying that I need to be more open to receiving my son's energy? Um, you can be open in general, you know, your, your, your son and daughter. Um, I, I will say that sometimes uh, they don't know what's going on. They, they I, need to mature. They need to be, they need to be more in, in contact with their own energy. I, I don't know if they can even understand that yet. I'm just so, trying to add some context, you know? So what's interesting is that little, little children, like before the age of three, they have the ability to give much more energy. And then we teach them that you, you have to, you know, it's like the stranger danger and all that stuff. We teach them to keep it to, to themselves. But there is a sweet spot uh, from like 18 months to about three and a half, where they're just balls of energy. And so they are just giving, giving, giving. And then, you know, and you might see it when, when they're hyper, when they're playing, you, you know, when they, they just get excited and it's just, ah, you know, and they have no idea where to put this energy. And so you may be cycling that energy to calm them down. So even when, when you're holding a kid and, you know, it's like that bedtime ritual where it's like, let me read to you. You're, you're taking off some of that excess energy so that they can calm down. And so it may be less perceptual for you because you're used to more, but they feel it. And so it's important for them to know that it's okay to share energy with their parents. And that is, that is loving. And so you have to be the safe space for them. Well, you don't have to be. I hope you are. Very, very interesting. So if, so if a child is very excited and doesn't want to go to sleep, you're saying that physical contact and receiving their, their excitedness, their energy will calm them down. It can. Yeah. Very interesting. And last but not least, manifesting wealth. Now I've read a lot of books, uh, especially the one by Jen Sincero. It says you are a badass at making money. And I believe you're going in this direction. But let me just reiterate some of what she says, you know, you have to, you have to be able to manifest money in your own way. But some of the tips she says is leave money like 20 or $50 bills around your house, 
that you don't touch you're it's just everywhere it's surrounding you you have to own you have to say out loud i love money and money loves me um you have to be you really have to be open to accept wealth you just can't say i hope to be rich one day i want to be rich no no you have to you have to manifest it you have to you have to know that you're going to receive it and so that is basically what that book says how what would you say to somebody that wants to manifest wealth the first thing i would ask is how do you feel about wealthy people because a lot of times we have a story that people with money are bad or that corporations are evil well if corporations are evil how are you going to have a business because you have this idea that that being wealthy is bad, is evil. You don't want to be bad or evil. So you're setting yourself up for failure. And so I would definitely go into what is your story around money first. And it can be writing down, you know, just put, put the word money on a sheet of paper. And then write out what feelings come up. Because there are some feelings and some of us have been clergy in other lifetimes. Some of us have been poor. Some of us have been mistreated by the rich. And so there's this idea that money is not for us. And so you have to, money is an energy. And if you want to have that energy, you have to align with it. And so I have this feeling that money is sexually attracted to me. You know, money wants to be with me. Money will do anything to be with me. And I'm okay with that. You know, and one of my affirmations was people love to give me money and expensive gifts. And it has happened. You know, it doesn't happen all day, every day, but it does happen. And so it's all about the energy you're aligning yourself with and the affirmations that you give to yourself. And so again, going back to the mirror affirmation deck, I put, I wrote down 72 affirmations that people can just start with. And I'm a fan of putting them on a card and just taping them onto your mirror. And you don't have to read them outright every day, but your subconscious sees them. And so even if you have a list of things, of affirmations, you can write that out and then your subconscious sees it, put it in a place, you know, put it next to your car keys. You know, if you have a key ring, um, you know, by the door or whatever, put it in a place where you see it often and you don't have to stop and read it, but your subconscious sees that and it changes your story. And so... Um, one of my hashtags early on was change your story. You know, what story do you have around these things? What's in that space? And that's how my clients get better. They improve and they grow because I'm asking them, what is your story? And can you change that story? Or will you change that story? Because I know you can. That's very interesting because yes, when I think of wealthy people, I don't think that they're 
quote unquote evil or bad. I just think that they can do more. So it's been long known that wealthy people give less to charity. And so I did make a promise to myself that if I ever do get wealthy, to give to charity as much as I can, because it's it's only fair. And that's that's my opinion. But I completely agree with the affirmations. I agree with putting it up either in your mirror. I'm a big, big fan of the vision board. So in my vision board, I have a lot of money. I have, you know, I will have. Now, that's another question I wanted to ask you with the affirmations, because you, when it came to losing weight, you said, say it as if you are already this weight. But yes, with, I say I am wealthy. Okay. I was going to ask you, do you say I am wealthy or do you say I have this much in the bank? You can say either or. I like saying I am wealthy because it doesn't put a limit on it. Interesting. Now, how, now you're assuming that the universe and you know what wealth is and what number that is, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I, I get kind of tepid when it comes to I am wealthy. And then I always ask, well, I hope the universe knows what that means. I hope the universe knows what I mean when I say out loud as an affirmation, I am wealthy, my family is wealthy, I am debt-free, and stuff like that. Well, debt-free is definitely a calculus, right? There is a certain amount that you owe to credit cards or mortgage, and that's a true number. But when it comes to I will obtain wealth, uh, I'm always cautious because, again, is there a number attached to it or does the universe just understand where I'm coming from? So you can, it's all about the wording of the affirmation. You can say, I have an abundance of money. You can say, my bills are paid on time and I have surplus. So things like that, you can get more direct and you can get more specific. And so if you are, like, say, for instance, if you want to have a larger income, you can say, I make at least 10,000 a month, you know, or 30,000 or whatever. You know, I was hearing that some people say they want to be millionaires, but once they get 30,000 a month, they're like, I'm good, you know? (laughs) But it is true, you know, if if you are ready for something bigger, you can say, I have this or more. And that's another thing. When you're doing your affirmations, especially if it is for something, you can say this or something better. And you can allow the universe to upgrade you. So it can be if you say, I, you know, I have a, a, a house, you know, Maybe you're looking at a three bedroom, two bath, but the universe has decided that you need seven bedrooms, you know? And so it is allowing yourself to say, I have a comfortable house that I afford. And then think about those things that are deal breakers for you. Think about those things that you definitely do want. And it's not about a specific address, it can be about uh, certain aspects, you know, 
It's like, uh, I have a house with a walk-in shower. Well, you can find that, you know? And so think about those things that are your specific needs or specific desires. And it's okay to be specific. Some people are afraid to ask for money, but um, I've talked to people and it has happened to me that when I affirmed that I was abundant, I didn't know what I was abundant with. And so when I was focusing on abundance, I wasn't getting cash, but I was getting free gifts. I was getting discounts on things. So money was still going out, but it, it was stuff that I needed, but it wasn't as expensive as it would have been. So I was getting all those opportunities and I was getting free dinners and I was getting all sorts of things, but I wasn't getting the cold hard cash, you know? And so when I decided that I wanted to focus on my business and focus on having money and having wealth and working through my ideas about what it is to be wealthy, what it is to have money. And, you know, if, if I can allow myself to have money. And so then I created those affirmations and lo and behold, I started getting that cold hard cash and it's okay when people want to give me cash. And now that I have a system that is credit card based, I'm like, I'm focusing on people on, on having more and larger credit card deposits because it's not cash in hand, it's energetic. And so I'm focusing on having that energy come through and it's okay to give yourself permission to focus on having money. It's okay to ask for money. It's okay to know your value and your worth. And I want everybody to know that. And don't let people shame you for charging for your goods and for your time. And let's go right into it. Tell us, Paul Mark, how can people find you? How can you be their coach if they want to know for more information about you? Where can they find you on Clubhouse, social media, et cetera? Tell us everything. So if you spell it correctly, at Paul Mark, P-A-U-L-M-A-R-Q, you will find me on Clubhouse. And you will see, I, I have the same picture everywhere now, so you will see that. And um I am on Instagram, Archangel Palmark, A-R-C-H-A-N-G-E-L-P-A-U-L-M-A-R-Q. And usually, if you type in Archangel, you will see me. <laughs> if you can get that far. So um, I am also on Facebook. I have a business page, and that is P-M-Q, Paul Michael Queen, Spirit Works. And Spirit Works is all one word, PMQ Spirit Works on Facebook. And so uh, generally, if you type in Paul Mark and spell it correctly, you will usually find me. And I'm the one with the green hair. Did you tell people where to contact you to be a coach? Yes. Uh, you can contact me through Instagram, Archangel Paul Mark. And uh, I have a flow page there. And uh, I also have... Um, through my 
Facebook business page, PMQ Spirit Works. And you can find me at pmqspiritworks.com. Tell us about your books and your decks a little bit and where to find those. Okay, those decks are available on, I'm selling them through my Instagram right now. And uh, if you go to my Instagram, I have a flow page and that takes you directly to those places where you can order them. So I have three decks, the mirror affirmation deck, then I have the, um, the chakra affirmation deck. And uh, the chakra affirmation deck is 49 cards. The mirror affirmation deck is 72, 72 cards. And they are affirmations that you can read. And uh, in each, there are seven affirmations for each chakra in the, um, in the chakra affirmation deck. And the mirror affirmation deck is business card size. And so it is available for you to put anywhere. So it's just, just to have a business card. Um, and then I have the Oracle Mandala deck, which is actually uh, the Mandala Oracle deck, sorry. And that is a deck in which I have um, placed my own mandala on the back and it is a fantastic Oracle card deck. I have actually done readings with it on Clubhouse. I do readings on, in my Living with Empathy Club every Wednesday. And so I've done readings with it and it is scarily accurate. And um, it's a fantastic deck and all of those are available on my flow page. And I am in the midst of publishing the um, self-acceptance playbook. And that is a journal. So it's a lot of different prompts and it works, it walks you through those things that you need to let go of so that you can completely love and accept yourself. And it's roughly a 30 day journey, but you can go at your own speed. So I, I don't put that um, requirement on it. I don't like a lot of pressure, you know, if you consider a balloon, pressure to grow from the inside will cause the balloon to grow. And pressure from the outside will cause the balloon to pop. So this is something that I believe in consent and I want people that are willing to do the work. And so whenever you're reaching out to me, if you're ready to do the work, I'm here to help you facilitate it. Paul Mark, once again, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on to my podcast. Your advice, your value is immeasurable. I thank you once again. I think the audience will thank you tremendously when, when they hear it. The title of this episode is The Soul's Journey with Paul Mark. And that will do it for this episode of the Life Teacher Podcast. Thank you for listening.